It's Overnightscape Central time. Yeah, PQ Ribber here once again with your weekly Unsug Collective program. Now, it's not quite the exit ramp, which I keep missing. And, and believe me, uh, I appreciate the invites, and I will. I will be back. I'll be back. Uh, at some point on the exit ramp. Um, I'm enjoying the shows extremely, but uh, I just get to listen. Um, timing is just weird lately for everything. Um, but we proceed as we will uh, in all of our endeavors, including this one, which, yeah, the Overnightscape Central, if, if you're new, is a weekly program where a topic is posited and even you, anyone, can send in a segment or a written piece that I'll, I read and uh, we discuss topics. Like last week, we uh, were discussing ways to de-stress and uh, our good friend Doc Slees got, uh, I think it was Gmail to be honest. Gmail has been doing weird things. Um, delivering mail late with the same sent time, but I was looking in that general vicinity of time and there was nothing in my inbox but when I went back Two hours later, there it was, you know, stuff like that. I'm not sure what, I have no understanding of the technical aspects of how the internet works. Is a, a recent uh, adventure with VPN and expecting it to just be magic. And of course, VPN isn't magic. Just in case you didn't know, that's a little public service announcement. But uh, yeah, we talked about ways to distress, and uh, we're going to start this show with Doc Sleaze and uh, his segment that came in late. So you kind of get a double thing, because this week's topic, as you may have noticed, is football, baseball. Uh, yeah, those American sports, uh, for you, those of you from outside the United States, I'm just saying football. It, it just evokes an entirely different imagery and sport. Uh, as far as the rest of the world Football means what Americans call soccer, you know, soccer. And uh, it, anywhere else in the world, it is it seemingly the most popular, biggest sport. But we, we Americans in our, our football, <laughs> and of course, the traditional sport, baseball, the great American game. You know, you got your hot dogs, your apple pie, your Chevrolet, and your baseball, the American game. So yeah, we, we've got a lot to get to. And uh, well, let's just Number one, take care of old business. Uh, Jimbo, when he hosted this show for a year, uh, used to put these in separate little segments uh, as they came in. Uh, and what I used to do when I had another show that I was running with any regularity, the infamous Quake-Reversal satellite, if somebody got something in late, I'd just toss it on a show the next week on that. But uh, this, for now. Uh, until anything else changes, apparently, is the process. Uh, so without me driveling and explaining and being all meta, let's let's get to Doc. Okay, when it comes to de-stressing, you're talking to the right man. You're talking to the guy who, of course, some years ago, um, 
ended up extremely ill um, with blood pressure flying through the roof and um, amongst other things ailments as a result of accumulated work-related stress that built up over a period of years and really you know it's it, it's it's it, I mean my doctor told me at the time my blood pressure was so high I was in imminent danger of suffering a stroke it was pretty scary times but obviously one has under such circumstances to find a way to de-stress because this is the root cause of, of those physical symptoms and this is the point you know people try and pass off stress particularly work-related stress as Something oh, it can even be good for you. It's it's nothing to you know, no, no. It's a just it's a natural thing. It's not really harmful. It, you know, all that stress it, it, it helps you do your job. You know, somehow it's good to be stressed, which is absolute nonsense. It can actually make you physically extremely ill. Um, and I wasn't the only one of in, in in the job I was doing at the time. There were people going down long before me, left, right, and centre with various ailments and illnesses often having to be signed off for, for months at a time and it all came back down to stress we were undermanned we were i mean at the time i was doing two people's jobs but only being paid to do one um you know we were coming under lots of pressure there were lots of unreasonable requests being made of us by management job was being chopped and changed and yeah, and eventually I got signed off work by my doctor, but for three months um, until my blood pressure came down. No, so and I had to learn to obviously to keep it, get it down. You have to get this stress out of your life. And um, okay, a big a, a big thing keep my blood pressure down, reducing it, and keeping it down is the cocktail of drugs I take every day. Um, but they alone won't do the job. Uh, You've got to find ways of dealing with stress and coping with it. And really, a lot of it is as simple as basically um, deciding what's important. The, because part of the problem is um, that your job, is what's work-related to stress, your job takes over your life because you have no control over your time anymore. And I've alluded to this elsewhere in my own podcasts and whatever, that, um, you know, I had the bloody work mobile ringing bloody all hours, expecting me to go out and do things. And, you know, the fact was I wasn't being paid 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I was being paid to do 40 hours work a week. That was it. In fact, less than that eventually, because, no, no, that was after. We'll, I'll come back to this point about the hours. And you lose control of your time. Work starts encroaching into what's meant to be your time for which you're not being paid. And, um, and they found all sorts of contractual loopholes whereby we didn't have to be, they didn't have to pay us overtime. Uh, so you've just got to, and there's always this idea, well, it's just absolutely essential that you do this, that, that this is done. And the truth is that it wasn't. And that was the thing. That was stage one. You've got to start asking that question. Is the world going to end if I don't 
achieve this particular piece of work that is supposedly urgent and that needs to be done yesterday? Will anybody die or be seriously injured as a result of it? No. <laughs> you know, or it was highly unlikely. In fact, the only person likely to be injured or made ill is me. Uh, you know, because we're being put in some quite dangerous situations. And um, so that's how you've got to look at it. And once you start making that assessment, it becomes easier to, um, to handle it. You say, well, look, it's not really that important. I'm sorry, I'm not going to rush around um, breaking my neck to do this. When in truth, it is not life and death, life or death, these deadlines and whatever. It's, it's a nonsense, you know. Um, so that's stage one. And the stage two is learning to say no and say, no, I'm sorry, I've done my um, 40 hours or whatever. It was 40, 42 hours this week. That's it. That's it. You're not paying me to do any more hours than that. That is it. I'm going to go home now. and I'm going to put my feet up and I'm going to switch the phone off. That's simple. If you don't like it, there's actually nothing you can do contractually. <laughs> you know, that's all I'm obligated to do. And that's that's what you got to start doing. And because, um, you know, I couldn't be sacked for doing that because I was fulfilling my hours. I was just saying I'm not doing more than that. Uh, you know, I have a life that I wish to enjoy uh, and get on with. And uh, yeah, so learning to say no <laughs> was an essential step forward. It won't make you popular. Um, and that's the other thing I did. I reduced my hours once I got back to work. Um, actually, there was another complicated. I went back to work, and like, I've alluded to before, but there were all sorts of um, difficulties whereby they actually tried to. They, they, they. Uh, I can't really go into the details, but they tried to to find a way to um, to dismiss me, um, which in the end fell apart because a the incompetence of management and. Uh, be the fact they didn't actually know it was never clear what it was I was meant to have done or not done and with the aid of a good union rep basically it never went beyond one bloody official meeting we had and then everything was dropped uh, <laughs> not surprisingly and never referred to again and partly I think part of the agreement I had to get that I wouldn't talk about it but hey I don't work for them anymore so who cares um yeah, let them try and sue me. Because um, actually, I, I implied I might sue them. So there you go. Although, frankly, I've got better things to do with my time. But yeah, because that didn't help. I, I managed to reduce my stress levels and my blood pressure. I got back to work and they've easily tried to rack them up again. Um, you know, it was this bizarre thing. On the one hand, I was having meetings with, with one group of managers to find ways to reduce stress levels. They could also be applied across everybody doing my job so it would benefit everybody and on the other hand i had them trying to bloody another trying to bundle me out of the door and it was all very bizarre um but then once i got all that out of the way i then my response was to reduce my hours i went down to work only four days a week because financially i could and that's something else i would advise if you can if you can reduce your out working hours if you can um, live on the reduced 
wages, which I could because I, I paid my mortgage off. So I didn't have that huge mortgage payment coming out. I don't have any dependents and, and that, yeah, I had money in the bank and whatever. So yeah, let's just reduce the hours. And I came down to working four days a week. And I tell you, that was wonderful. You know, that took a lot of a lot of the remaining stress off because I knew I just had to get to Thursday. Thursday evening, that was it. Boom, gone. I was off for a three-day weekend. Great. Yeah, <laughs> it was bloody fabulous. And... Uh, yeah, so I would say if you want to de-stress yourself, if you can, reduce your working hours. Obviously, find a job that isn't too stressful, which isn't always easy, but you have to, to find ways to handle that stress, to, you know, say to say no, to, um, you know, make it clear that you have a set of working conditions laid down contractually, and that's what you're going to stick to. And... You know, you've just got to be firm and say, no, I'm not. You'll, you'll get all sorts of implied threats and things. But the fact is that contractually there's nothing they can do. OK, you probably kiss goodbye to promotions and things. Uh, but that didn't bother me. Um, I was a specialist in Vegas, so getting promoted was, high, was, was you know, just not going to happen anyway. Jeez, but uh, yeah, ambition... And, and yeah, you you got it right. People in a job situation where you've already agreed or you have a contract and you're supposed to do that, all of a sudden there are these additional tasks that emerge out of this mist. All of a sudden there are responsibilities uh, just slowly added to one's uh, task list that have nothing to do with any original agreement, nor do they, but there's some sort of vague promise of something in the future. And yeah, you, you know what crap is, kids? Oh boy, you hit the nail on the head. And I'm real glad you were able, I still, in whatever work situation, I just feel so responsible to ever and yeah the other thing like you say yeah nobody's gonna die uh nobody has a chance of bleeding out or going bankrupt or their life ending uh the, god forbid somebody should have to wait yeah that's really what it comes down to in many cases and uh just, just, just we have to also now on the other hand um people need to vent their stress but we need to learn better techniques of expressing like if you're confronting someone who is stressing you out uh our normal you know tit for tat mentality and the way we work <clears throat> we're going to attack this person we are not going to calmly uh, hey why are you busting my will you back down instead of saying uh you know schminky we're interacting here and i i'm having a problem now it's just any and i'm learning these techniques because i'm the worst I mean, something gets on PQ River's nerves at times, and if I am like, and the time factor, like I feel like crushed for time. Ooh, 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 watch out, PQ can be uh, 
I don't even know what the word is, just really, really snippy, uh, impatient, and uh, when I let go, I have a tendency to use a inappropriately harsh tone of voice. It's like I'm barking at somebody, and in the moment, I even know, hey, come on, what do you do? But uh, nonetheless, it's like these floodgates have opened, and it's got now it's coming out. Watch, hey, look out, everybody! And yeah, that that's a bad de-stressing technique, <clears throat> and learning to do uh, better ways of approaching those who one feels is inducing the stress. Uh, this could be a key. I'm still working on this. Is a work in progress. This whole de-stressification and considered an open topic. I mean, this was just sheer bad timing and an accident that we uh, had Doc come back with this. But this is a topic, especially in this present day and age, that uh, you can consider this open. If you've got some more uh, techniques or uh, discussion points on bringing the whole thing down when it's getting wound up and things are starting to fly yeah that's never good it it rarely if ever solves anything making a decision or inducing a decision i mean you blow your top in certain situations even if you didn't intend to make a situation uh make a uh, final decision about something you blow up at the wrong person oh boy did you make a decision uh, <laughs> and it could be very final if you know what i mean anyways uh back to doc here uh, and uh, there's more that really, really reduced my stress levels, no end. And that's the other thing, you know. Once you, you make a clear, clear demarcation between life and work, the thing is to really keep them separate. Make out sure, you know, just learn to stop thinking about work when you're not working. Develop interests and hobbies that have nothing to do with work. I mean, I've got my, my model trains I play with. Amongst other, I've got a whole plethora of bloody things. I'm interested in, you know, schlocky films, you know, tracking down obscure Italian horror films, things like that. That's how I spend reading books about obscure Italian horror films, you know. You know, all this had nothing to do with work. Um and, you know, it's bloody fantastic because it takes you away from it into another little world which has nothing whatsoever to do with work. You know, when I went to the pub to meet with friends, we didn't talk about that. So the problem when I was working under all that stress, because obviously it was obvious even when I was out supposedly relaxing, I was stressed and the subject of work would come up and I, it was easy to get me off on a rant about work. And that's because you need to stop. Just stop thinking about it. Stop letting it impinge upon the rest of your life if you're having suffering work-related stress. That's how you de-stress. You've just got to go. You've got to find a way of containing it. Nowadays, they have a word for it. They have a term for it. They talk about people quiet quitting. Um, which I was, I see, I was ahead of the game. I was doing that long before they coined that term. 
which means just sticking to your contractual obligations. Um, that's the th you know, as I say, it's a good way to go about it because you know it depends how you look at work. If you're incredibly career-minded, then work is your life basically. But if you're not, I'm not. Work is just something you do to earn money. Uh, at the end of the day, um, certainly the sorts of jobs I was doing for the past few years through necessity was just to earn money. And um, once the mortgage was paid off, you know, it, um, it wasn't that important anymore. As I say, you know, work, work has, to, has to be put in its place. And that's the other thing. I was, I was going about going down the pub with people. That's the other thing. Make out sure you associate and socialise with people you don't work with. I made that a big point. I never went out drinking with people I worked with, um, not in the last job I had, um, because otherwise you'd end up talking about work. And you'd be reminded of work and you're on your own time. You don't want that. So, you know, I, 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 I have developed a circle of friends and drinking buddies who uh, have no association with my, my old job. And it's great. You know, we have a, a wide range of, of interests. Um, you know, a couple of the guys I regularly drink with are sort of um, leading lights of the local historical association we have some fascinating i mean one of them bob is uh, he's written several books which have been published <laughs> about various aspects of local history and he likes to focus on the weird and eccentric characters and the and the, you know the the most offensive bits of history you can find about this town and uh, so we have some very colorful and fascinating conversations none of which are work related and as they're both past retirement age, the, the two guys I, I, I more often than not end up drinking with, um, you know, they don't have job. Yeah, they're, they're not working themselves, so they don't talk about work. You know, it's great. It's fantastic. You know, that's something you need to do. Um, and indeed, the other, the other thing that kept me going a lot of time and helped with the stress was, was being part of the world of the world of Onsug, you know, producing those podcasts um, was therapeutic. And it gets you away from the world of, of, of work and the stresses of it. Um, you know, and the interactions with the people who, again, had nothing to do with my job um, is good. <laughs> but the big turning point for me came with, um, with the pandemic and lockdown. I enjoyed lockdown <laughs> because... Um, I spent a lot of it on my own in my house, I'm happy to say, because I'm diabetic, um, which made me, makes me a higher risk group with COVID. I was um, placed on special, they took a bit of agitating, but uh, and, uh, with the union backing me, whatever, but I and other all the other diabetics and other people who had these particular underlying health conditions, we were put on special leave for the duration of the first lockdown. So, you know, I still get paid and I say at home, bloody wonderful. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, my job involved going out on the streets. And there's no way you can go out and work on the streets in the pandemic. Um, so this is a wonderful period of months of stress-free living. You know, I just found it wonderful. I'm a solitary person anyway. I don't really like other people, I would say. 
<laughs> but it was great. Um, because that's the other thing, you need to find time because work-related stress is caused by the fact you lose control of your own time and thereby your own life. It was giving me, at its worst, that job, no time during the day to, to gather my thoughts and be alone for a, a while with my own thoughts. Um, which I find very important. And being locked down was great. I had all the time in the world to think. It's one of my favourite activities, thinking. Um, you lost time to think. It's great. And then once things eased, I was able to go out on long walks, you know, long, solitary walks, which is great, A, because I enjoy being outside and the vistas of nature I see before me when I walk. I'm able to access quite a bit of that around here. Ah... Uh, I find wonderful and therapeutic. Yeah, nature is fascinating and has nothing to do with my work. <laughs> it's fascinating to experience. And again, it gave me lots of time to think. And of course, walking gets the blood flowing, flowing to the brain. And, you know, you think even more. It's great. And uh, yeah, find time to be alone with your thoughts. That will help you de-stress. Believe you me. Um, it's just... I find it very, a very relaxing experience. You know. So, yeah. Um, also, also um, a thing that's helped me a lot is <laughs> something taking all this medication. I've been experiencing the most amazing dreams. And I actually remember more of them than I used to. And apparently is a side effect of, of at least one of the... the, the medications I take for blood pressure is it can induce um, quite vivid dreams and they're great <laughs> they really are fascinating cinematic full technicolor dreams I have you know they're, they're like widescreen technicolor dreams they're they're quite amazing the bits I remember from them um, they do amaze me as well because you know I've, I've noted in them I have some quite um sophisticated intellectual conversations with other characters in these dreams of course in reality i'm in fact having conversations with myself because i'm the only one in there you know all those characters are really me as well uh you know to some degree it's quite fascinating um and often i'm quite aware within the dream it's a dream um I had one the other night, I remember bits of it, and I started noticing, I remember in the, within the dream, I started noticing anomalies that meant it couldn't actually be real. <laughs> you, know, it was, you know, it was quite fascinating. And I remembered that when I woke up, that this clearly was not real. And this was clearly some kind of dream, some kind of illusion I was, I was in. Quite fascinating. <laughs> Yeah, sleep, that helps uh, get rid of stress, sleeping properly. Um, I do tend to have broken sleep patterns, and that's a legacy of having suffered from clinical depression decades ago. Um, and the legacy of that, and it's common to most people who've suffered bouts of clinical depression, is it does disrupt your sleep patterns, and it's very difficult ever to get back to a normal sleep pattern. 
<clears throat> but thanks to these vivid dreams, when I do sleep, I find it much more satisfying now. So there you go. So anyway, the, the end result of lockdown was I was forced to go back to the office eventually. And basically split between working in the office and working from home. The trouble is they actually had no work for me because we still couldn't get out on the streets and there's a limit to the amount of paperwork I could do associated with my job. And, you know, I tried to, uh, I tried to sort of get management to, to, to maybe, at the very least, find me some other roles. I pointed out to him, I am probably within this county, the only employee you have who is a fully qualified trainer. You know, my, my teaching qualification is also a training qualification because of its nature it's it's for my my postgraduate certificate in education which is what you need in the uk to teach is what's known as a as a uh, p set or post compulsory education and training qualification so i'm i'm qualified to teach people um 16 years and older and indeed to carry out training for adults and young people. But I were interested. I pointed out that I've done many um, jobs in the past. I've done management jobs in the past. I have done research and analysis jobs. I have all these qualifications. I have this experience. No, they were interested in utilizing that. Anyway, in the event, I just got fed up and I thought, look, you know, um, you got money in the bank more than enough to carry you through to to uh, when your work pensions start kicking in if push comes to the shove there's always the possibility of getting some what we call supply teaching work in the states you call that being a substitute teacher because of my teaching qualification um there's other part-time work i do so i decided I'd, you know i just didn't want to work full-time anymore didn't need to so what the hell and i parted company with them um, and right now, this is the, I mean, the past year, 18 months has been pretty much stress-free for me. And I feel better. I feel healthier. I feel more relaxed. Sure. There are things that still cause me a bit of stress here and there, but I can deal with them in my own time now. Um, Right now, I have no central heating because of a problem with the with the heating system, and getting a plumber out in this town is is bloody difficult. Um, getting a reliable one, anyway. I have a guy coming on Friday to um, take a look at it all and hopefully get, start getting it sorted out. But it doesn't stress me particularly, you know, um, because the weather's still quite temperatures are still quite mild at the moment. I can get I got an immersion heater in the in the tank, so I can still without. You know, the main system working, I can still get hot water in, plen in plentiful quantities. So, you know, hey, for the time being, I'm fine. But if he, he can get it working, it's going to need, I know damn well it's going to be expensive and it's going to need some more expensive work. But if you can just get the system working again on Friday, I'll be happy. And then we'll sort out from there what else needs to be done to get it functioning properly. So I say these things just don't cause me the stress and anxiety they used to. Um, and that, okay, that's partly my, my relaxed life, partly some of the drugs I take. Uh, 
I take something called a tenolol, which keeps my heart rate down because um, I have a naturally high heart rate, which doesn't help the blood pressure. And it does that by reduce, by limiting the amount of adrenaline my body can produce. And that, trust me, that keeps you really relaxed and helps <laughs> anxiety. Um, it's part of the beta blocker family of drugs. Anyway, um, yeah. So yeah, giving up work. If you could, if you can find a way financially to give up work, and certainly working for someone else, I would advise that as the ultimate way of de-stressing. Um, what they used to call it, shifting down, like you move down through the gears of a car to a lower gear. If you can do that with your lifestyle, it's the thing to do. Uh, I know it's not possible for everyone. Um, I'm lucky because I say, when I paid my, my mortgage off, I was in the situation there where the mortgage I had, part of it was paid off with an endowment policy. And when that paid out, it not only paid off the half of the mortgage that still needed paying, but it left me with a significant lump sum of money in my bank account which has enabled me to be financially independent for the time. And certainly it will carry me through with money to spare, barring any huge emergencies, um, disasters, whatever. It will carry me through with money to spare to when my, um, well, I've got two work pensions will kick in in 18 months time and I'll get paid from those. They will pay a tax-free lump sum as well to add to well, my, you know, to, 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 Boy up my bank account again. So, you know, and trust me, the amount of money those work pensions pay out isn't huge, but it's enough to live on. You know, I don't have an extravagant lifestyle. That's another thing I'd advise you on to de stress. Um, forget ideas of materialism, forget ideas about owning lots of stuff, because that won't make you happy. Trust me, really won't. Um, learn to live a simpler lifestyle. You know, in all seriousness, it's, it's it's the thing. You don't need all these gadgets and things. You don't need to spend your time worrying about keeping up with the Joneses and all that. It's all nonsense. It's all cobblers. Worrying about your social status. That's the other thing. I learned not to care what other people thought of me. There's a very small people number of people in this world whose opinions matter to me. And I care what they think of me. But the rest of the world, I really don't give a toss. You know, in all seriousness, it's... It's their problem, not my problem, how they perceive me. Um, you know, you, you've got to, that will release you from so much, so many feelings of stress if you can do that, if you can liberate yourself from that, from worrying what people think of you, you know? Um, so, yeah, so... Um, that's how I de-stressed myself and how I ended up this laid back, relaxed character that I am now. <laughs> um, yeah, so there you go. And on that now, I'm going to say you back to UPQ. You laid back and unstressed New Mexico denizen. Mm, laid back? Maybe. I mean, it's all relative, is it not? And I'm, I, I like, I like to think of myself as laid back. But boy, when I 
just feel the squeeze and oh, yelling and talking loud and boldly as if I know what I'm talking about and I'm some expert and everybody else. And that, I don't know. If I were going to be the next Bob Grant or some sort of uh, political talk radio host, that sort of thing would probably serve me well. But, ooh, boy. And uh, diabetes and stress is extra, extra bad. Uh, Thankfully, I don't know it from personal experience like me, but people close to me, I've seen that uh, turn out rather unfortunately. Yep. Blood sugar is a whole tricky thing with stress as well. I mean, sometimes just a lemon drop at the right moment, uh, could save lives. It's a true story. And walking, oh man, I am so glad that fate and circumstances and my own stubbornness combined to make it so I just don't own a car. I walk everywhere. And not only that, but when I'm wound up, I will go out and walk and there is nothing better like doc said um just out it it doesn't even matter walk around your block four times i mean the tricks with walks are however far you go of course that's how far you have to come back and if you're going to come back the same route that's one thing. If you're going to want to come back a different way, and you got to think that through. It, 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 walking, while very good, I, well, I, I bet you Doc has too. Sometimes you're thinking and you're walking, and I've done this, and it's late, and uh, you're just walking, and you're out somewhere, and you realize, okay, now let's go back. And even if you're going to go back the same way, which might be the most direct way you've been walking quite a while and maybe if you're done with your thinking and feel kind of wound down and ready to just kind of laze out no 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 so yeah that is the only uh downside that i could think of of walking and even that it builds character yes walking builds character and so do dreams uh, uh there is something uh, very nice about waking up and remembering bits and they melt. But you know, you were dreaming this. It, it was right in some way in my head anyways. I mean, I, we can only speak about our own dream experiences. The dream recorder interpreter has yet to be developed. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I, I, I may be low-key, but that wound tight sometimes or something and caring what people think. Yeah. Uh, that's bad. Oh, that can like, well, that's what crushes celebrities and turns them into whatever awful things they can become at times when they fail or think they're failing people who they are. Yeah. It's what people think. And with me, it tends to me be me worrying about what a specific person or a couple people 
who I might have, you know, I care about friends or what have you or more. Uh, yeah, what they think of me can really, that's, that, can, that can induce a lot of anxiousness in the PQ River per, uh, brain and being. But again, walks, dreams, and calm contemplation. I mean, anger is a really tricky thing. And it, it just clouds and distorts everything. Like what I was saying before, uh, it, it we need to communicate on a level where we're not just, for me to de-stress, I have to stress you out, and then you're stressed out. It, no, we have to work on these things in some dialogue combination using i mean i can be really inconsiderate when i'm wound up and telling somebody what they might be doing or i think they're doing that's bugging me yeah uh you gotta really the the use of language is a great skill and i don't think we are taught enough about it at least i haven't i mean i think i know words and i can but no so uh, yeah, uh, thanks, Doc. Uh, anything on de-stressing is good, and uh, it's football, baseball time. Oh yeah, football, baseball. Now that that's kind of turning. Although there are people who stress out about these things. Um, and it's just that their team. Some people act. Yep, they bet. That's a big thing. I mean, I just never really was in a crowd of people where that was a thing. But it's as I'm recently discovering that that is just huge. And hey, it's sport too. I mean, some people are really good at it, and it's less of like rolling dice or spinning a roulette that is just but nonetheless we're talking football baseball and uh, the man from the incredible true facts of space chad bowers is here this week and here's what he has to say really gold and blue were the winning colors auburn won Tuscaloosa fought desperately, but Auburn was strongest, won the game by 32-22. to 22. It was a glorious struggle. Yesterday, by 2 o'clock, all of Birmingham was on the move. Every private vehicle, stable turnout, and public hack was filled with people on the way to Lakeview Park. The dummies and electric cars were crowded with lovers of the manly sport of football. Men and women who heretofore have jeered such exhibitions of brawn and muscle were eager to see the contest. Little children just beginning to toddle were anxious to see the big boys fight. Every train which arrived at the station brought in football enthusiasts from all parts of the state. In fact, there were over a thousand visitors to the city, all game to see this great game. Outside the grounds, the crush around the ticket window was simply fearful. 
as the crowd was too big to be handled by the one man and the tickets being sold outside. The vast surging throng kept its temper and the women took to being jostled about good-naturedly. On the grounds, as soon as the crowd got inside, the men, unaccompanied by ladies, made a rush for both sides of the grounds and soon they were ranged a dozen deep around the ropes, which were put up to protect the gridiron. The carriages. The east side of the field had been set apart for those in carriages, and soon, from one end to the other, it was filled with vehicles of all descriptions, gaily decorated in blue and gold and white and red. The Grand Stands Both the Grand Stands were literally packed with people, making a most artistic picture as the colors of the schools in conjunction with the many-hued costumes of the women blended most artistically. The bleachers were filled with a jolly lot of men as ever had sat on hard planks. From their faces and merry talk it was evident they had come to make a happy afternoon of it. Chief Norton, with four officers, was there to represent the law, keep the crowd from pushing outside in through the ropes. And although they had the assistance of a number of the members of the athletic club, they were powerless in the face of the spectators, rushing under the lines and covering the field. So intent were the onlookers to see every point of the game on the gridiron. A little before three o'clock, Tuscaloosa cadets went to their grounds. Their uniforms were white with red stockings and large red letters, U of A on their sweaters. And then every man, woman, and child who wore the red and white rose shouted themselves hoarse. Shortly after, the Auburn boys made their appearance in white and blue stockings and a large orange A on their blue sweaters. They gave those wearing blue and white an opportunity, and they yelled until they almost got blue in their faces. The practice. The practice. Both teams went to work at once, kicking, catching, and falling on the elusive pigskin. Their handsome faces, broad shoulders, strong limbs, and powerful arms were the admiration of the young and old of each sex. As the boys would pile up on one another, the ladies would get alarmed, fearing that they would have bones broken. But the gentlemen friends would kindly assure the timid, sympathetic women that the athletic youths could be dropped from the top of the grandstand to the ground without sustaining any injury. The game. The game was not only immensely interesting to those who understood the fine plays in football, but fortunately, it was a game which from the start caught those who were uninterested to the fine points. The teamwork on both sides was good, and there were a number of brilliant individual plays. A marked feature of the playing was almost a total lack of punting on either side. This game was an offensive one. Neither side cared to be on the defensive. This was shown by the few times the ball was lost by either team in four downs. The reason the Auburn team never punted 
was the fact that they could make better gains by runs. The interference by both 11s was good. Both teams had fine runners. Auburn snapped the ball quicker than Tuscaloosa, as Ballier, their coach, put them on to his method, which was very swift. Goal kicking on both sides was good, but Tuscaloosa's was best. Auburn won by a score of 32-22. to 22. Auburn's team. Riggs' strong point was his tackling and his hustling interference. Redding was a fine tackler. As a running tackler, he has no superior in the South. Brown played the strongest game of any man on the team, with the exception of Daniels. His tackling behind the line as a guard was one of the features of the game. His work did much towards the defeat of those Tuscaloosa boys. Schaefer's plays were especially good, although not showy. McKissick, who is a professor, is a big, powerful, good-natured fellow by his weight and hustling interference, which greatly aided his team. Buckshaw is an instructor and was particularly noticeable for his fine open plays. Foy, although a new man, is a strong young fellow and made an excellent tackle. Dunham had only two days practice, but no one would have ever known it by his playing. Shackelford's great playing was by his strong interference. Dorsey's running was a feature of the game. His all-around playing was good. Daniel, the captain, was simply a phenomenon. He played everywhere. He is brilliant, a runner, a tackler, and very tricky. Tuscaloosa's team. Abbott excels running hard down while he's on the run. He's Tuscaloosa's best all-around player. Little, the captain, has no superior in holding the line. He is good-natured, keeps his temper, and does good head work. Ferguson, our own Burr, caught the crowd by his hard playing. When he tackled Daniels and threw him, every woman, old and young, on the grounds who wore white and red wanted to kiss him. Burr as a tackler is superb. Pratt held the center for a boy who is only 16 years old. He's going to make a rattling good center. Cope is a strong man. He does magnificent work and his strength is Samson-like. Savage, who weighs only 156 pounds, is one of the strongest men on the team, and he is the pet of the university. Everybody in Tuscaloosa loves Savage. Grayso is the greyhound of the Eleven, and his tackling is of the highest order. Walker is a Birmingham boy, and yesterday... When he made a 30 yards gain and went down under the crowd and his arm was torn, everyone on the grounds admired his pluck and sympathized with him in his hurt. McCants, who was put on Walker's place, is certainly the artful dodger. Smith is as fleet as a deer and one of the best ground gainers on the team. Kaiser excels running around the end. If he gets half a show, he generally makes a touchdown. Bankhead is one of the hard-stand, most conscientious players at Tuscaloosa. 
He excels at goal kicking. Professor J.W. Taylor was the referee, and E.L. Samuels the umpire. Both are old Yale football players and the news, newest members of the Birmingham Athletic Club's eleven. Their decisions were most satisfactory to Auburn and Tuscaloosa, and the crowd never once yelled at the umpire. The Presentation Captain Daniel and his Victorian team gathered around the drag in which was sealed Miss Delma Wilson, who was elected to present the cup. Moss Sarah Rogan and Miss Mammy Marrow, her maids of honor, were with her. Wilson then said, Gallant and victorious captain, in the name of the city of Birmingham, I present you this cup. Drink from it and remember the victory that you have won this day. May you and your team live to see many more victories. Captain Daniels responded as follows. We feel proud of the honor and assure you it is a great pleasure to receive this cup from the city of Birmingham and through your hands. A series of cheers rent the air and then the sun went down blotting out this day which the greatest football game ever was played in Alabama. 1893, Auburn defeats Alabama at Legion Field. Oh, that was just, that was awesome. Just the dignity and the wording of that reportage, much less, I don't know, that, that there, and I know it's just use of words. Life wasn't any more elegant, or I don't know, the past. It's so alluring. I mean, uh, baseball, football. Uh, I, I've mentioned before, but I have been um, watching, watching, listening to baseball games on uh, the internet nights that I'll leave them on overnight or if I'm doing something I'll have it on and there is just something uh, especially when I listen to the era when when I was a kid I was a huge baseball fan so like anything from like 1967 to 1980 let's say um it's just I know the players I certainly know the players better than I would know modern players and I don't know who won a game from Mar. That's the marvelous thing about baseball is they play. You got to give it to them. If nothing else, I mean, yes, they're not beating the devil out of each other or exerting themselves greatly with endurance tests. The endurance test of baseball is traveling around the country and playing 162 games every year and yes the pitchers play less but if you are a starter on a major league baseball team you're suiting up and going out there quite a bit and it's just big because that creates all these crazy statistics which is the stuff that pq river gets all wrapped up in 
Oh man, I love the, the numbers and the crunching them, and oh, oh yeah, because it's all that trivia stuff that appeals to some part of my wonky brain. But uh, the, the 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 classic baseball on the radio channel just continues. They have found amazing sources for uh, baseball games, and I don't think they get really huge amounts of views i get some people listen to the old world series and that's kind of nice but for the most part i kind of those i remember at the and especially in key years but i was really the, uh, into baseball and its history as a kid at least what was available i mean now we have resources and books and websites oh man that the 12 year old pq river would have just never been you couldn't have pulled me away from the internet i would have somehow nagged somebody to get me some mlb package where you have all the games and all the stats and oh boy uh you could really go all out i mean even football you can but uh if yeah, football well i'll talk about football at some point uh i i, I, I want to get to what frank edward nora will add to this discussion and uh yeah i, I still gotta say something about football and uh it's it's small mention of things like basketball and hockey which basketball became big after my day a basketball was about as big as hockey, maybe a little bigger in most places when I was growing up. The NBA had not yet really, like, huge Michael Jordan stuff yet. It was nowhere near that. It was popular as a sport. But I think if you look back at the numbers, basketball grew after you know, 1979, 1980, which is somewhere in there is when I completely gave up on most sports. I football lingered a little longer because it was just Sundays. But, and, you know, back then you turned on the TV on Sunday and there was a football game. So you watched the football. So there was that. And, and we had Howard Gosell. Oh, he was so great. Anyways. I'm, I'm just let, let's get to Frank Nora. My father said that you know back in the 1950s he was a New York Yankees fan, and uh, used to go to the baseball games. In fact, he talked about actually going to a World Series game at some point in the 1950s. Just walked up to the stadium, walk up to the ticket window, buy a ticket to the World Series, go up in the bleachers and watch. It was a whole different time, and you know New York City had the Yankees and the Giants, and then also the Brooklyn Dodgers, right? And uh, then what happened, I guess it was just a big issue um, that I guess the Giants and the, uh, the, the Dodgers were like, listen, they went to the city, listen, we need, a, we need some new stadiums built. Can you, can you foot the bill? And the city was like, are you, are you high? What, what? We're not paying for your, for your crap. Build your own stadiums, you jerks. And they're like, well, I'm paraphrasing. This is how I understand it. They're like, well... We heard like out in California they'll they'll build our stadiums for us. Yeah, right. Good luck with that. And they went out California. Here they come. Giants and Dodgers moved to California, and uh, so New York went from three baseball teams to one. And then a few years later, the Mets came about. So, 
But I don't know what it was. My father was a Yankees fan. The Yankees still continued. My father was a ba- – he even had this baseball glove. Remember I, I sold it on eBay? It was really valuable. It was for something like someone named Cubby or Cuffy or something. Um, so <clears throat> I'm talking about this because I really feel that the only sport that I would have really embraced is baseball, right? I, I feel like I have the personality – and the interest for the stats, and I just I do love the game. I love watching the game, but I feel like just like a lot of stuff, you need to be exposed to it when you're a child in order to really embrace a sport like uh, baseball. So as much as I like baseball, and I do enjoy watching a game now and then, and I've been to a, a couple baseball games in in real life, I just don't have the uh, internal resources to kind of really care about that much and if I was a fan of any team I'd be a fan of the Mets because I, I wound up really not liking the Yankees I, I was around a lot of Mets fans and I do prefer the Mets I, I never liked the Yankees but I don't follow them I don't watch the games I couldn't tell you the name of a single player on the Mets right now so I'm not into it at all but I feel I could have been so what happened was my father before I was born went uh, he became a football fan so of course today's episode football baseball but of course Football, I think we can assume, is the American football, uh, gridiron footballs. Is that what they call it? But, of course, there's the other football, which is what we call soccer, which is most more popular around the world. Um, you know, and I have, like, when there's big tournaments and there's, like, the World Cup, I have watched soccer and stuff. But I feel like um, football and baseball really are the two games where there's, like, a play and then it stops. And then you have the situation, and then there's another play, and then it stops, right? Making it easier to watch. Now, I don't know if that's good, if, 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 if it's for, for more simple minds, but, um, right? Other sports, like soccer, for example, uh, is kind of a, this continuous back-and-forth motion that is not as easy to follow because I'm just not as familiar with it. So that same, there's a field, and there's... A bunch of people on the field, and there's a ball or a puck or something that they're going back and forth with, right? That's kind of the structure for soccer, hockey, and basketball, right? It's kind of this continuous back and forth motion. Now, those games, I I can really don't ever watch those kind of games. I I can't really appreciate them. I know if you if you got into it, you would you would be able to understand more what's going on. But like on football, hey, it's first and ten. Anything can happen. And then, ooh, second and inches, that's easy. Uh, third and long, uh-oh, you're in trouble. Are you going to go for it on fourth down, you know? So, I mean, I completely understand, um, you know, when I, uh, you know, American football, I completely understand the rules, and I can watch a game and kind of appreciate it. Uh, it's just, I have, I, it just, I don't have any interest in the meta process and the meta aspects, like the the players, the coaches, the trades, and all this other stuff. Now, of course, if I if I had any proclivity to be a football fan, I would have because my father was a huge football fan and uh he was you know, him and my mother they lived in Virginia for a few years, so he became a big fan of the Washington Redskins, right? The team that's now known as the Washington Commanders cuz you know, all all the professional sports teams whose names are related to the American Indian, they've been in the process of changing it. Some teams are just doing it, like uh, with the Cleveland Indians. They just listen. We're the Cleveland Defenders now, you know. The Redskins went to the Washington Football Team, and then they went to the Commanders. 
Uh, there's a few left that, you know, like like the Braves and the Chiefs, the Braves in baseball, the Chiefs in football that haven't gone through the process yet. It's almost sort of like just get it over. Get it over with, guys. You know what's going to happen. You got The forces of history are against you. Whatever you want to say back and forth, you know those teams will eventually change. It's probably better to just to get it over with, you know. But anyway, so I was so my father and my brother were totally into the Redskins all growing up, and I would watch the games with them sometimes. But I just didn't care. I didn't. I don't know what it was. I didn't ever got in, into the the um, interest in the in the team members, um, the coaches, or the stats, or anything about football. And uh, I just think I dis, I really kind of just dislike football uh at kind of a deep level because it just seems like a bunch of thuggish guys running around like jumping on top of each other and like you know like very violent kind of game and it just is not really you know kind of something i really care for like boxing is another sport that i just never cared about i don't know if it's because it's so violent or what you know now of course wrestling is a different thing i never got heavily into wrestling but i do appreciate it for its kind of still silliness and ridiculousness, and I do think that the kind of overly serious tone, especially in the NFL, of uh, of the narration and everything, that was a bit tongue in cheek. For example, NFL films and and how they would sort of dramatize back. This was more back in the seventies and eighties. Dramatize the games, and uh, it really was sort of a tongue in cheek thing because it is kind of silly. It's a bunch of grown men throwing balls around. You know, what I mean, it's like really not that exciting, but. If you treat it like that, as this kind of, like professional wrestling, um, you know, kind of takes this farcical process and kind of acts like it's super important, and that in that itself becomes something that is likable, right? Um, I think in a way, the archetype I talk about a lot, I just call the happy idiot archetype. It's a character who's kind of stupid, but is very self-assured. And uh, and that's kind of the persona a lot of wrestlers enter into, you know, being kind of like a kind of out of it and weird and stupid, but being very confident in themselves, you know, and that and I think football especially has that or had that at some point, sort of the formality surrounding the proceedings is very kind of uh, it's likable, sort of that likable idiot, you know, like all these people taking something so seriously that's so kind of not important or interesting really has that kind of pop culture aspect to it um so i can appreciate that i've also always been a huge fan of graphic design and logos and things so i've always been fairly obsessed about um sports logos and just all these like defunct leagues like the arena football league and there's like hundreds of logos from all these like defunct teams it's really cool to think about and look at all the logos and stuff so that that's my biggest thing with football and the and and the helmets and stuff sort of playing around with graphical variations on a theme right um but in, yeah i just wasn't the sport for me it just really wasn't and uh, so i don't follow it at all i do not watch the games i hear people talking about oh it's game day it's sunday everyone's watching football like i no i'm not i don't watch it at all Baseball, on the other hand, I feel that uh, is something that is more, there's something very, much more cerebral or 
intellectual about baseball in a way that the game is kind of um, this sort of uh, war of wits between the pitcher and the batters and there's all so it's something that you know and it's it again it the game stops and there's a situation you know you know it's the balls and the strikes and the situation that you're in and relief pitchers and designated hitters and all sorts of stuff like that so I can definitely really dig it it's just similarly it's not really something that's that to me that important in the scheme of things but of course there's a huge pop perhaps even more than any sport in the United States at least baseball has been intertwined with our society and our culture in so many so many ways. I know baseball has been kind of on a decline lately and they've been trying to streamline the rules and trying to speed up the games. But there's a certain kind of tension and following the sequence of events and actions in a baseball game I definitely find much more to my mind style than than football. And uh <clears throat> you know, I mean I just I've talked to people about this. Well, you can still become a fan. I'm like, can I really? I mean, like, I have enough to occupy my time already, you know. And I do think it has a lot to do with going down the rabbit hole and learning about each team, all the players, the history of the teams, right? And then the trades and the stats and all that other stuff. I know delving into stats and delving into personalities and increasing your knowledge on something like this is very pleasurable human activity and um the thing is like i've i do that all the time with lots of other stuff you know like for me for example the band fish and the grateful dead they're almost like a sport unto themselves um learning the stats and watching a fish concert and what songs are they going to play how long is the jam going to be it's possibly some sort of similar to sports in some ways it's live i love watching the shows live and um yeah, I actually look at the stats of the songs, and it's just sort of a similar thing, learning about the history of each song and all the members of the of, of the group. And Grateful Dead especially is a very similar thing with stats and uh, history and different members of the band over the years. And So I understand that sports is sort of satisfying that desire for um, delving into something, but... For me, there's plenty of other stuff that is more stimulating to me than sports is to sort of satisfy that desire for investigation and becoming uh, conversant in an, in a pool of knowledge, right? I mean, I do think that um, <coughs> there's a certain... I guess really a lot of it has to do with your self-image and how you view yourself in relation to other people that... Um, sports becomes kind of a common ground that people can really uh, relate to each other through, right? Even though it might be kind of meaningless, ultimately, uh, it becomes something. And of course, when it comes to football, especially, you know, football is not just the professional football, the National Football League. It's college football, which is this enormous thing that I hardly know anything about. And high school football, which apparently in some parts of the country is like the big thing to do every week is to watch the high school football games. I remember <laughs> I remember being uh, over at our friend's house for a birthday party and there was all the parents of the kids and all they seen all all these people seem to be talking about was like the, the, the children's sports and how all their kids are doing in the children's sports. Which I felt that 
you know, on the surface, I felt was kind of an example of toxic mediocrity. <laughs> like, you know, like being obsessed with the sports of children is kind of, to me, I sort of feel like there might be better ways of using your mind. But I understand. What are you going to do? You're with other parents. You don't really have that much in common. What do you have in common is the kids' sports that are playing wrestling and football and soccer and everything else. Lacrosse. That's a big one in schools, right? Lacrosse. I know, I know they try to do professional sports leagues with that, but I don't know if that's ever going to take off like that. But, I mean, there's a real problem with football. And I, and I think they were saying a few years ago that they thought that football with its – what am I hearing in the distance? With its repeated head injuries, starting even on the high school level, is, it causes great uh, disabilities later in life, mental problems. And, again, in human society, it's not really necessary to – um, play such a full contact sport like that, you know, like boxing and, you know, tackle football. It's not really necessary, right? It's just people love it, you know. And I, I understand it's, you know, perhaps the closest thing we have to a much older form of, uh, uh, you know, sports to watch, which is uh, gladiatorial combat, which when I was in Italy, a couple of years ago, we went to the, that Colosseum in Rome, and they talked. They, they really, in detail, described what a day at the Colosseum would be like. Absolutely uh, hideous what these people were doing, and despicable. Um, having they would have people fight each other. They'd have animals like attack people and kill them and eat them. And these were like fights to the death. Like this, watching people fighting and killing each other, and cheering for it. Um, I find that to be quite, I mean, (laughs) if that really is like something that human beings really would love to see, seeing people kill each other in a stadium, um, I, that's very sad. I would really hope that there's a, there, there's a better aspect to humanity than that. But football as opposed to baseball, baseball is is certainly not as violent as 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 football is. I mean, any sport there can be injuries. Obviously, you know, if you get a beanball to the head, that's why they wear those uh, those helmets now. You know, but uh, you know, I know there's injuries, I know, and I know in soccer there's there's some injuries, and it's a very physically demanding sport. But it's not like you know as violent as football or boxing or I guess the other fighting sports like Ultimate Fighting Championship. I don't watch that. I'm not familiar with that at all. Mixed martial arts. I don't know anything about that. But um, there's definitely this sadistic streak in the human mind. You know, you used to hear about uh, one of the great ro- royal entertainments back in the day, like the, the monarchs of, of England would, would enjoy bear baiting, right? Where you would, you would get a bear and sort of uh, put it, you know, have it on a big chain and then have various animals attack it and fighting and killing each other. It seems almost incomprehensibly cruel and unusual, and uh, but apparently people loved it. You know, I really I can't necessarily really relate to that. You know, it's it seems like this violent streak that uh, this killer instinct that people have, and uh, is it something we should try to get past, or is it something that some people are like that and some people aren't like that? I don't know. But they're saying, like, football is like the modern gladiator combat, you know, sort of also kind of uh, simulating warfare, right? Like war, you know, 
instead of these various cities actually like fighting wars against each other, imagine like Philadelphia and Pittsburgh like having a war, you know, with like bombs and tanks and stuff. Instead of that, they just they just have you know the the, the Steelers and and the Eagles may have a game. Are they in this? Are they in the same league? I don't even know AFC NFC. I don't even have that all memorized. Um, but right, it's sort of a symbolically like a war, you know, and you and you choose your side. And I know that. Um, in terms of like being a fan and like hating the other fans, I guess here in the U.S. we have nothing on fans in Europe or even in Asia. We just heard about was it in Indonesia a soccer game where hundreds of people got killed in like a huge riot? And you hear there's many cases and the whole idea of like like uh, football hooliganism that soccer you know in 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 Britain where there where there were like organized gang violent gangs that would fight like the 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 hooligans from the other team (laughs) you know like it's just this urge towards struggle and conflict but i understand like my cats for example all cats they have a natural hunting instinct right to follow a small moving thing around and then pounce on it and grab it and when they're when cats are tame and they don't need to hunt and kill they still really enjoy like following the little laser pointer around or whatever they really enjoy um enacting or playing around with their built-in skill right hunting and killing as a hunter killer (coughs) but in this case it's almost sort of like not most people aren't really participating in these games they're just watching them so it's sort of like urging on the sidelines it becomes this very tribal way of like hating another group like our group is great your group sucks you know it's sort of enacting that tribalism but in in a in a structured way you know that that you know we we in the today's society frown on people uh you know looking down on groups of people uh, because of their race, their their creed, their gender. What is a creed? That's just your religion, your religion, your skin color, your the way you talk. You know, which we're we're very much encouraging people not to like trash and attack people based on that, and harass and bully people based on that. But it almost seems like it seems like people need something to satisfy that urge to be part of a group and be like a toady urging on the bully. Not even participating in the act, but just sort of, yeah, beat him up, beat him up, yeah, you know. That somehow that's a a pattern of behavior that people need to have satisfied in some way. Some people more than others, perhaps. And I know that people that aren't into sports like me, they are at times mystified by how people are so into this stuff. So basically, every time there's some sort of big game on, uh, the World Series or football playoffs or whatever... Inevitably, someone on on social media would be like, "Oh, oh, there must be a sports ball game on today," you know, because uh, I see everyone talking about it. Now, traditionally, you know, we talk about how high schools, every high school in the country, maybe the world, the children that are in high school kind of split up into these groups, and the jocks are one big group. They're all good at sports, right? Then there's the, and they're not so good at at academics necessarily and then there's the the nerds who are more cerebral and brainy and they more like things like science fiction and fantasy and things like that right and then there's like the burnouts who are more into kind of like 
<clears throat> you know, more into like uh, anti-establishment <laughs> music of the day, whatever it may be, metal or punk, and uh, taking drugs and, you know, having a cool van. Like, like this sort of splits up into these groups, you know. And sports is definitely one of those, like, archetypes of, of human behavior that sort of splits up into. And, of course, we can't talk about sports without talking about gambling, which uh, is another thing that I have no desire to gamble. I don't think I've ever placed a wager on a sporting event ever in my life, and uh, other, other than those Super Bowl pools, which are completely random. But I know the urge to gamble is another one of these real basic urges. Now, I am fascinated by gambling in terms of the games of gambling, uh, the table games, slot machines, poker. I, I'm really interested in those games, but not necessarily in terms of, you know, actually going and playing them. And <clears throat> I think that, uh, you know, when it comes to, you know, casinos, for example, you know every bet is, a, is essentially a losing bet over the course of time. When it comes to sports betting, it's sort of what they call the, what was it, a pari-mutual system in some cases, where it's sort of like you're betting, you're, you're sort of playing against other people who are betting on other things. Um, but I just never, ever got into the idea of betting on football, you know. Oh, what's the point spread? But it's a big aspect of these games is gambling on sports, and sports betting is actually legal in New Jersey now. There can be, there's all these websites where you can go on and a lot of states are legalizing it. Even uh, our local train system here, New Jersey Transit, one of the stations is sponsored by like BetMGM. It's like it's like a, a sports betting app or something. God knows. I I know there's an MGM Grand uh, Casino in uh, in uh, uh, <laughs> Las Vegas. I'm sorry. I'm distracted by this slow moving van here. Talking about vans. What is this construction trimming LLC? What? I guess they're trying to find find a house or something. Hmm, they're getting confused. I think they're going to turn around. I don't know where they're going. They can't find it, whatever they're looking for. But then that leads to what I've been hearing a lot about, accusations that almost all sports at that high levels, the professional sports, that they're all rigged, that there's so much money to be made gambling that... Almost all sports are fixed, right? And I, the last couple of years, the football games I've been watching, the Super Bowls, they just seem very weird. And, you know, you don't have to have everyone in on it. You can just have some officials, a few coaches, offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators. You just need a few people in on it, you know, the referees, to, to, uh, to, uh, to really sort of fix a game and make tons of money on a fixed game. And I've talked to people about this, and they're very much like uh, – uh-oh, who's this? Someone's coming over here. They're very much um, horrified at the thought that sports are uh, fixed. Let me see if this guy needs help. I don't know. <laughs> I said hi, but he he just waved at me. I don't know if he needs uh, needs help. Anyway. Where was I? Yeah, people don't want to think that these, these games are, are fixed. Because another thing about sports betting is that, right, you hear about illegal gambling, like a numbers racket or something, where sort of like a like a um, an underground lottery or something, 
and it could always be fixed. It could be rigged. But you feel like as long as there's a like a sports are sort of uh, considering that it's a an actual game that's not fixed and it's just a contest between two teams, um, that at least you're. All right, I paused. The guy's looking for a certain location. <laughs> I don't know what he's, he's confused. I don't think those neighbors are home right now, so <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, call the person that you're trying to get right get through to. I don't know. Yeah, he's calling up. <laughs> I don't think they're there right now, though, unfortunately for him. Anyway, uh, yeah, so it does seem that the whole world of sports and baseball and football are really surrounding the satisfaction of a mental need, right? Whether it be investigation or group dynamics, tribalism, right? The urge to gamble. It's sort of sports that sort of fits uh, in, into that world. But I think what I was trying to say before about, you know, sort of like your self-image, right? That um, I think you're going to be careful about what you're going to tell people that you enjoy or that you're into. And I think that especially men have to be very are very concerned about being manly and macho and that they don't want to be seen as being girly in any way and that these sports are sort of uh safe a, a safe thing to something to spend your time and energy on because no one's going to question your manliness if you're into into football you know they're just not going to it's a very manly thing to be into you know, and, and as a way to relate to other people, how, how about how about those Mets? You know, you start talking about, yeah, so-and-so isn't really batting very well and this and that. It's a way of communication and socialization. And, hey, that's nothing to, that that's a super important thing in human existence, you know. So it provides a kind of a common ground. Um, <coughs> but, you know, traditionally, like, the nerds in, like, the high school scene – you know, the stuff they're into is really also very all-encompassing, whether it be comic books or video games or those kind of nerdy pursuits. Uh, they're also very engaging. And if you're around someone that knows about that stuff, right, that's, you know, a great way of socializing as well. It's, uh, I would say, a bit, um, I would say, concerning to those of us that, you know, you got to remember back in the day in the 70s and 80s, like being a nerd was not cool. It was you're you're considered like an idiot and a jerk if you're into comic books and stuff. And uh, so the, the the fact that in recent decades that Marvel Comics and Star Wars have become so mainstream and and, and the jock type people are into that, too, is kind of horrifying. And, and, and in a way sort of invading the nerdy space, you know. But I mean for me I've I always I've always felt kind of alienated from my fellow people in the, in a lot of ways. And uh you know, I just couldn't really relate to the things that I didn't really care about, like sports. Now that said, I have played a lot of video games of sports, mo- mostly baseball and football. Right? I don't really think I played a lot of soccer video games. I have played tennis games, bowling games, um, I'm trying to think of what other sports I've played, but like the big 
field sports. I never played like lacrosse video games. I'm never really into basketball video games. Hockey games either. And it's really weird because almost everywhere I've worked, I've worked with uh, ho- hockey fans. And I, I get hockey fandom. You know, I kind of understand it because that has that extra added thing of, again, kind of that uh, <clears throat> a bit of that wrestling type of, of aspect, you know, that the, that they sort of get into fights and the fights are not really necessary for the game, but as part of the entertainment value is the hockey players like beating the crap out of each other on the ice, you know. But it's just, again, it's not something that I ever really like. I never knew any hockey fans growing up. I never got into it. Yeah, Frank, uh, hockey is just that that's bizarre that they but the people I know who play it say that it's less a put on than just it's more that they're not restraining themselves, nor are they encouraged to. So if something or somebody gets in their way or bugs them, they are free to express that. Um, oddly, I would kind of... It, 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 hockey just seems to be the least apt to be faked somehow in my head, even though it has that brawling stuff but there's some of that bro it, it gets serious these guys I, I don't know it's a certain temperament i have no clue uh i briefly sort of watched hockey and followed it but i was never a huge fan I just, it was never like, oh, I've got to watch the hockey game. At the time, it was more, um, I was a, I was a nerd, but I was a sports nerd. I watched it. Yeah, I played a little and had some sort of idea that I could play, but nah. But yeah, I watched a lot of sports and knew the stats. And before uh seasons sprawled so much and they all have over the years um hockey used to have just there was a short time of year when it was just basketball and hockey and even basketball was dwindling down so there was this like end of the hockey season time or something uh, at least that's how I'm remembering it. We are talking four million years back before there was dust, when when PQ River was a youngin. God, it just looking back, it just you know, 1989 was 33 years ago. Oh, what happened? It is what my brain says when that clicks in. So yeah, there's the time factor and football has become a completely different sport. I mean, yep, gladiators, these these were guys just smashing into each other. And it's not more finesse, but they are at least acting as if they're trying not to wind up with most of their veterans at the very least, not really being able to walk like normal people after a career in football. I mean, former football players, that's just, ooh, that's just awful. And I'm not even going to go into all the Neely stuff because that was just, oh, that that just put an end to any idea I had of, of watching NFL football at any point then 
or even now. I mean, these are your employees. And yes, every the first time it happened, nobody had told somebody not to do it or you shouldn't. And yeah, it was a Colin Kaepernick knelt and he made a statement. Fine. After that statement, there should have been a uh, league-wide policy that you stand or you sit or you stay in the locker room and come out after they're done with the national anthem. I mean, and... Let's not mince words. This is this, this is more about form and doing your job and not turning one thing into another. It's a football game. It's not a religious demonstration. It's not a political demonstration. And, I mean, if I made the rules, I see no reason that there should be a national anthem at sporting events. I Maybe the Olympics— but a baseball game, a football game, a boxing match, MMA? No. We really don't need to sing the national anthem then. I mean, yes, you could have a flag in the stadium and you go about your business. I, 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 there's no real connection uh, in my head between the two, perhaps. But yeah. There's that, and uh, yeah, that, and, and the blood sports stuff I find fast. I, I have to admit, I have watched my share of MMA, and I sort of follow uh, UFC. I've never bought a pay per view, but I after one, I watch the highlights and I listen to some commentary, and I sort of know the fighters. I used to know boxing about the same way. I was never serious, but a good boxing match now and then. As far as sport, it's neat because it's just one-on-one without the balls and the bats and the teams. and It's just the two guys, which is interesting uh, to me somehow. I don't know. Like Frank says, it, it, it's just that bloodthirstiness inside of us somewhere maybe i just don't know but um football video games i've enjoyed playing you know basically you know you have to choose you're gonna the kind of play you have to choose what play you're gonna use you know is it a uh, a running play or a passing play those are a couple of the big ones uh, if you need to gain a lot of ground you want to try to go for a pass but it's going to be a bit more of a gamble if you just need a few inches you're going to go for a running play usually and, um, you know, there's those different formations that you have, and those are all, like, prepared in advance. And it does become almost like a rock, paper, scissors kind of thing. Just like, you know, so it's sort of like, here's the setup. It's third and long because you got a couple penalties. It's like third and 26 or something. So, you know, they're probably, you know, probably going to pass, so you're going to set up your defense, your defensive play as if they're going to pass. But what if they actually run it? Or do like that secret thing where they pretend, they pretend to, it's a run play, but then it's actually a pass play, you know. So I guess because of my father, and my brother being so into it, I'm very familiar with the game of football, American football. You know, I have enjoyed playing some of them, like uh, on Dreamcast, the Football 2K or NFL 2K or whatever it is. Uh, but I've also played a lot of baseball games online. I remember we used to, we used to have uh, 
ColecoVision with the Super Action controllers, Super Action Baseball. My brother and I used to play it. And that also is kind of like a rock, paper, scissors thing where, the, you know, the the pitcher, I guess, you know, I guess like someone tells them, is it usually like what pitch to throw, right? That's those signals. And there's been all those controversies about signal stealing. So it's not really the the pitcher is just good at delivering these various pitches. And, like, if you know the pitcher's going to throw a fastball or a screwball or a slider or whatever, if you knew it, the batter could, like, really, if they knew exactly what kind of pitch it was going to be, you could, uh, you can get hits a lot more often, but you have to sort of, it's like the second-guessing kind of thing, you know, like rock, paper, scissors, in a way. But I feel like baseball really stands out amongst all these other sports because it's very different than all the other, all the other sports, right? Basically, there's not a lot of running around. Obviously, you have to run around the bases, but beyond that, and fielders have to run to catch the ball and stuff, but it's much less physical contact and much more of this kind of, uh, this game of, uh, you know, and then as a pitcher throws a bunch of pitches, they're going to be getting tired out. They're going to be less accurate. Then you got to bring a new pitcher in. Yeah, well, I've I've played a few. I've even played that um, Super Mega Baseball. Is it Mega Baseball? Not the most recent version, but the, like the sequel version. You know, it can be really fun to play. Um, but I also feel that if any of these sports, baseball definitely matches my personality more than any of them. Um, so if, of any sport, I like baseball, but I just, you know, it's, it's not like... And I can sit and watch a baseball game and enjoy it. You know, like my father-in-law watches the Mets a lot. Sometimes I watch a, a Mets game with him. And I can I enjoy it. You know, and I do watch, like, playoff games and World Series if it's interesting teams. And, you know, the history, I think, is it still, what is it, are the Cleveland <laughs> defenders now? Are they, what if this is the one team that hasn't won a World Series in, like, 100 years? I'm kind of interested in that. You know, uh, let me see. All right, yeah, I just paused there. So how about the drought, the longest drought that a team has had? Let's see. Longest active postseason series win drought, Cincinnati Reds, Minnesota Twins. Longest active World Series appearance drought, the Mariners. Wow, the Seattle Mariners have never been in... uh, Mariners are the only team that has never appeared in the World Series. Wow. They've never even gotten to the World Series. The Pirates since 1980. And the longest active World Series win drought. This is the big one, right? So the la- the longest you've been without winning the World Series, the Cleveland Guardians, now lo- no longer the Indians. They have not won uh, since 1949. I thought it was longer than that, actually. Uh... They had a 3-1 series lead. Cleveland could not win the fateful fourth game. Texas Rangers since 61, Brewers since 69, and the Padres since 69. I know that the uh, the Cubs, the Chicago Cubs, were really a long drought. And in fact, the year after Back to the Future Part Two predicted they would uh, win a World Series in 2015. They, I think they actually won one in 2016, right? Only one year off. So the the Guardians, I think, have the longest one now. Um, now, are they in? I don't think they're in. Let me see. The uh, 
So I, I do somewhat sometimes follow like the ML, ML Major League Baseball postseason picture, like that bracket. I was actually looking at that the other night, just just out of interest. So I, as you can see, I am somewhat interested in baseball. Let's see the post season post season bracket that just was set. So here, let's see. So if, just like you know, there's two leagues, but they're all they're part of the same league, but they're two two sides of the thing: the National League and the American League. So I guess the playoffs are set. So on the American League side, um. Tampa Bay Rays and I guess it, I guess that's a defenders. Cleveland Defenders are going to play the uh, wild card game in the Seattle Mariners versus the Toronto Blue Jays. Then the winner of that first one is going to meet the Yankees, and the second one they're going to meet the Houston Astros to try to get to the World Series. On the other side, um, I'm looking at the logo, so I hope I know these. Uh, is that the Pirates, Pittsburgh Pirates versus the St. Louis Cardinals? And then whoever wins that wild card game is going to then face, is that the Oakland A's? And then on the other side, it's San Diego Padres, and the Mets are going to play a wild card game, meet with the L.A. Dodgers, formerly the Brooklyn Dodgers, and then someone's going to go to the World Series. <laughs> well, this is October, right? So this is the, the playoff time. Uh... So I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm rooting for the Mets. I don't know when the last time. The, the, I think the Mets last won in, uh, well, they won in 86, obviously. Yeah, that was a big one. The 69 and then 86. And, if, and it looks like the Boston uh, Red Sox are not in at this point. But, of course, the Red Sox had the biggest and most famous drought in history, I believe, and in their rivalry, rivalry with the Yankees. See, I'm, I'm doing sports talk here. See, I, so I do care about baseball to some degree. Not enough to know any players' names right now, but just the overall concept of it. Um, my uh, wife's uncle Brian is a lifelong huge Red Sox fan, even though he's from Jersey, and um, so he lived with it all of the defeats. And I was watching that '86 game with Mad Mike at the, my dorm room in Adrian University, not really knowing the history of uh, the Red Sox. Then they were winning the World Series in 86, and then there was that one play where this guy easily could have gotten the ball, and but he missed it, and that then led to this huge rally, and then the Mets won, and they beat the Red Sox in 86 in the World Series. But, of course, in recent years, the Red Sox have won several World Series, and right now it doesn't look like they're doing too well, but they, they definitely do not have that drought anymore. That's really interesting culturally because it goes back like decades and decades and the curse of the Bombino, uh, you know, with um, Babe Ruth. I guess he was on the Red Sox, but the owner traded him and the team felt they were cursed. And there was some sort of piano that was buried in a lake that was involved with the curse and they had to dredge it up. And I don't know, very superstitious. But, um, yeah, definitely, uh, you know, and just interesting in terms of the fact that other people care about it can make you care about it as well. I guess that's what all sports are, are like. You see your people around you caring about it, and then you can sort of care about it to some at some level. I wonder if any team that was an Indian team that changed their name has won in their respective final battles. I'm not sure. Right? Uh, I don't think the Washington... I don't know. Maybe the Commanders are doing good now. I don't know. 
but that's not till like February that the world's that the world series that the Super Bowl is going to be right. It used to be January, but now it's in February. Um, and then there's all those like the minor leagues, and you see a lot of stadiums around. Like there was one in Chattanooga, whatever their local team was, a baseball stadium, and down by where I, I grew up in Bridgewater, there's like the Bridgewater Patriots is like a a minor league team, the Newark Bears, I think, down down in Newark, New Jersey. That's something where I guess it's not as expensive, and you can just go watch a ball game without so much pressure and so much money and stuff. Oh, yeah, there's one aspect that I found really interesting. It's actually in, in my notes to talk about on the Overnightscape. I don't know if I'm going to get to the topic, though, but it's uh, there used to be these websites of football helmets, um, Mr. Habs, like Helmet World or something, and then another one was called Helmets, Helmets, Helmets. There were these projects where they were preserving and uh, presenting the football helmets of all these different leagues. And one of them had these women's leagues, women's football leagues, that are super obscure. And they just had all these teams that they only play a couple games and they go out of business. It's kind of interesting. But I just, I sort of, I still go on like sportslogos.net and just look up, you know, just, just sort of research sports logos. And that's always interesting to do. But anyway, baseball, football, uh, I definitely, you know, in another life I could have been a baseball fan. But at this point, I don't think I'm ever going to really embrace any sports. I have much too much other stuff that I'm interested in to worry about that stuff. Back to you, PQ. Yeah. Uh, Although, I have to say, a few years ago, what was it, the AFL, the American football, there was some alternate football league. They only had a few teams, and they played, like, a couple games uh, Saturday and a couple games Sunday and it wasn't this overwhelming four million teams and all this and that uh, until they went out of business I was sort of following to be honest it was kind of neat being able to see it start from the beginning and it was still a sport that I knew the rules and everything but yeah uh, while part of me would like to follow like Frank, baseball probably most likely. Um, I just, it doesn't fit. And it's just, I know I'll get disgusted again at something and stop. I know myself that well. I'm that, it just that those guys are getting paid. Wait, I mean, one of the things that I, back in the 80s, I really stopped watching baseball and made a decision to uh when they went on strike and i think at one point scabs actually were out on the field because these very wealthy people with a median salary of one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year were on strike uh you're just getting paid far too much to play a sport i know it's not easy and i'm not implying that it is but you know, uh, the whole thing, everything in the entertainment industry is overblown, and the people at the top make too much. And in certain places, I mean, yeah, I, I think baseball players should be paid fairly, but that's a lot of money what these sports ball guys get. And uh, I, I, I never 
could play video sports games, any of them. That the baseball, it, it just, it it just doesn't work in my head or something. And the basketball, I someday I may try again. Uh, I really would like to find like a baseball or football game that would work in my head, but football, I mean, reading those little play diagrams. I don't know what the hell that is. I just, nah. My my brain is too haphazard, maybe, for such things. Um, and I didn't realize that, 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 that if the, the Seattle Mariners are the only team in the major leagues that has never made it to the World Series, that bespeaks an incredible balance. There are, what, 30-some-odd teams uh, and I know for a while there, I mean, it was just Yankees, 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 and then a little break, and then Yankees, Yankees, Yankees again in the 50s. So, uh, yeah, I, but I guess when you think about it, uh, I, I used to be able to, without hesitation, name every major league baseball team just by going by division in each league, and now I, I couldn't do that. This, oh, that young PQ Ribber, he was such a geek, such an info geek. And probably in my head somewhere, all of that data is still buried. Uh, is that a scary thought? I don't know. But uh, yeah, we had to, this, this was uh, an intriguing uh, Overnight Scape Central. And uh, yeah, thank you, Frank. Thanks, Doc, for uh, contributing last week. I'm sorry that uh, Google and me and time conspired, but it was nice having you here this week, really. And, um, yeah, but, and it also allows me uh, to remind all of you, uh, when I solicit you momentarily to uh, participate in next week's show, you can also address... Any old top, you can the de-stress, you can address this, t- or any topic we have done, or, you know, if you've got something on your mind and you've got no place else to put it, I mean, hey, this is the Overnight Scape Central, you're one of the family, join it, just, just send it on in. And uh, did I thank Frank? And Chad, if I didn't, I want to make sure I do before I tell you what next week's topic is. I don't know if we've done this or not. Uh, Now watch, it'll be something we did six months ago and my brain is just... But uh, yeah, next week the topic on the Overnight Scape Central is dogs. We're going to talk about some dogs. You know, them doggies. Oh man, dogs. Uh... Yeah, I think at some point that we have addressed this topic, but uh, we're going to the dogs again here on the Overnightscape Central next week. And uh, here's how it works, just in case you're, uh, uh, you uh, should record or write out your segment. If you uh, write it and send it in an email, I'll read it on your behalf. And uh, get it to me by the evening of the 18th of October 2022 or I'd early on the 19th is probably safe but uh, that that gives you a general idea and you will send it to 
this email address. Ready to write? Yes, you are. kpqr.torc at gmail.com. That's kpqr.torc at gmail.com. And, uh, yep, please do. It, it would be genuinely a pleasure to hear from you. And it doesn't have to be anything long or elaborate or it just say hello. Yeah, that's what it's all about. And uh, thank you for being here. And in the meantime, as ever, until next we meet, set the controls for the heart of the fun.